Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm Thursday afternoon. One of those weeks that kind of feels like it's gone by in the blink of an eye. Maybe. Maybe this is a week that's felt like it's lasted forever to you. Regardless, we're glad to have you along for Sports Talk Mississippi, which is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you're in North Mississippi and you have land financing needs of any kind, Check out the website. You can find a branch location near you. You can also grab the phone number, give them a call, talk to them about what it is exactly that you're looking for, what it is that you need, what it is that you've got in mind, and they'll help. It's what they do. It's the, uh, it's called Mississippi Land Bank, and it's because they've been financing land for over 100 years. Michael Borky in the studio. Brian Scott Rippey here with me. Brian Haydad on the Farm Bureau phone line. You can check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Bork, what's up? I'm a little tired. Uh oh, you must have stayed up late watching a West Coast basketball game last night. Yeah, I stayed up late watching West Coast basketball, but I am tired of the Golden State Warriors. Okay. Because, Richard, when Steph Curry is shooting well, they are impossible. Right? I mean, the the display he put on last night, he struggled early. He got into foul trouble early. Didn't shoot particularly well early. But I think he made seven consecutive threes in the second half. And it's not like he's getting wide-open looks. It's He's shooting over Anthony Davis. Or he's got Drew Holiday up in his grill. The, the kid, when he's on, is is a cheat code. It's like that that old video game, what do they call it, NBA Jams, where if you were on fire and the basketball was literally on fire, you could shoot it from anywhere on the court and never miss. That is Steph Curry personified in real life. New Orleans played... They called it it NBA Jams, plural. Come on, man. I don't don't remember. It was when I was like seven, but the point is... (laughs) Put some respect on that name. Man, New Orleans played their best game of the season. They shot well. They defended well enough, relatively speaking. And it just doesn't matter. When Steph Curry's shooting, that team is impossible. They're um, they're good. 
They scored 147 points last night, and I just said their opponent played good defense, except for in transition. But they played good defense last night and gave up 147 points. That's how incredible that Golden State team is. It's not fair. I blows my mind. Uh, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the plays? That kind of one of those. <laughs> yeah, they played good defense, except in yeah one forty seven one forty. That's two pretty good scoring nights in a row for the Pelicans. They win one of them, they lose one of them. I bet they're tired though after playing back to backs on the West Coast and scoring one forty in back to back games. Yeah, you know, I guess so. I mean, it's. They need to play with more urgency, I said a few days ago. They're still oh, in good position to, to make a playoff run. And as weird as it sounds, them losing a game last night tells me that they actually can do it now that they're healthy. They went blow for blow with the Warriors who were shooting out of their minds last night. So if they can replicate the way they played yesterday against everybody else in the league that isn't as good, they'll be fine. Fair enough. Hey, Dad, what's up? What's up, guys? You going to tell me about the uh, NBA games that you stayed up watching really late last night? That's why you're tired today? No. <laughs> I did not stay up watching why, NBA. Why does that not shock me? No, I mean, hey, if the Lakers have been on, I, I might have I might have tuned in. But uh, I did not stay up for Warriors-Pelicans, uh, no. Yeah, I uh, hear you. Rippy, you good? Rippy yes. to the rescue, by the way. I, uh, I, got to, I was driving home last night from Jackson, pulled off at the Greenwood exit, that's uh, kind of my go-to stop. I hit the Taco Bell drive-through at that uh, that gas station. Nice. And as I was pulling up to the um, to the front door, I decided I was going to go in and take a little restroom break on the way as well. I just kind of tapped my back pocket because I knew I was going to go grab a taco or three or something. I was like, uh-oh, no wallet. I looked at quickly in my truck. I was like, doggone it. So I called Rippy, and uh, he was coming back this morning and was kind enough to stop by and rescue the wallet after Paul Gallo found it and told me that it was in his desk and he was going to hold it for ransom. <laughs> hey, I'll give you a Will... pro tip at that exit, by the way. Yeah? At the Chevron there, because that's where I, you know, coming back, I like to come up 55 because we're right there by it at Super Talk. And okay. if you stop at that Chevron there, they got some f- homemade fried pies in there. Fantastic. Not a huge fried pies guy. Ooh, okay, okay. Just not a, not a huge one because they're, they're normally good. soggy. Wait, fried pie? Fried pie, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God, the boy doesn't know about NBA Jam, and now he doesn't know what a fried pie is. Well, I don't know what a fried pie is. Well, I mean, oh, it's, my God. It's like, hold on, it's like dough with fruit in it, and then folded over in you half, to, and then usually when you buy them... You have McDonald's words, a pie? apple pie? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yes, I'm pie. a huge McDonald's apple pie guy. The, here's That's the reason I don't... Okay. I understand. Yeah. I understand... No, I'm talking the reason I don't generally like gas station fried pies mm-hmm. is because they are wrapped up in saran wrap and they're generally yeah. soggy and not warm. The, the, these are not. These are good. They're not warm, but they're they're they're, they're not soggy either. And I don't want a cold fried pie. I want one right. where the uh, the the fruit whatever mixture on the inside of it is so hot that it kind of burns the roof of your mouth. Oh, I, I can respect that. Yeah, these guys yeah. didn't know what a fried pie was, man. Well, they did. They probably just didn't realize that that's exactly what we were talking about. Gosh. Um, so, Rippy, thanks for grabbing my, my wallet. Yeah, no problem. Anything else going on today? You had a little hoops press conference? I did. Got a little Devontae Shuler update. What Not you got? Not much else of note. Um, 
they think he'll play Saturday. It's going to be one of those things where it's a stress fracture type thing on the top part of his foot. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not about to begin to explain this. But it's something they think they can manage in him play through. He's not going to practice much, going to be in a walking boot. They think it's gradually healing already. Um, so it'll be something where they kind of manage it on a game-to-game basis. But they think for the most part he'll be able to play through it. So it doesn't sound like it. It could obviously get worse or something else could happen. But it doesn't sound like at this point he's going to miss any significant time. What happened? How did the injury happen? Um, it happened gradually. There was no one play. It happened about on Tuesday night, Kermit said, about a week and a half ago. So that tells me either Vanderbilt probably or Auburn or maybe somewhere in between. But he said he just kind of gradually started favoring I'm actually not even certain what foot it is. Kermit never specified, um, or if he did, I'd have to go back and re-listen. But it just kind of gradually happened, and so you know he started favoring it, and it kept bothering him. And then they discovered because a stress fracture is kind of a gradual thing, like it's more of a wear and tear thing. I guess it can happen on one play, but a lot of times it comes from overuse, over stress. Hmm. Is there a concern if you don't practice, you only play up in game, uh, play in games, that conditioning takes a hit? Maybe a little bit, but I think I think they will try to reduce his minutes as is just to keep it off his foot. So, like, you know, he was playing 37 minutes a game some nights. I think they'll try to cut back on that a little. I'm not sure how much they're going to be able to afford to have him off the floor. But, yeah, I, I think that could be an issue. But when you're in the heat of the season and you're already playing two games a week, like, I can't, I can't imagine he's getting out of shape. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, some of what we're going to get to this afternoon on Sports Talk, Mel Kuyper has released his... Is this the very first edition of his mock draft? It's 1.0. 1.0. Mock draft 1.0 for Mel Kuyper, and four Mississippi dudes are in the first round. Mississippi State women's basketball has a big game tonight at the Hump. It is in Starkville, right? Yes, yeah. I'll okay. get it there uh, in like about an hour and some change. So 6 o'clock tip for that ballgame? Yes. Yes, sir. There you go. Uh, we're going to chat some NFL playoffs with um, John Harris from Houston Texans, HoustonTexans.com. We'll also talk a little uh, Arkansas with Trey Schapp. We'll preview the Ole Miss-Arkansas basketball game that's coming up on Saturday. And also ask him about the new quarterback that the Hogs have got couple of bits of dumb criminal news. This is like Michael Borky's favorite thing. He lies awake at night when he can't sleep, and he pulls out his phone and he searches for dumb criminal news that he loves to bring to you. There was somewhat of a prediction yesterday. I didn't officially label it as a prediction. I wondered out loud. Hey, Dad basically told me I was an idiot. And here we go today, finding out that Richard's not necessarily an idiot. Tate Martell, lawyered up, going to apply for apply for a waiver to uh, play immediately at Miami, the Ohio State transfer. He didn't exactly call me an idiot, I didn't, hey, Dad, I didn't but exactly. you implied it. I did not imply that. I may have Your reaction to what I said made me yeah, think. It was more what Rippy said when he was like, what if he was misled? And that, that's, what, that's what set me down the path. This is the same premise he's using, essentially. It's exactly the same, same premise he's using. They, uh, the, well, there was a contract in Martell place. Then. Do what now? I'm going to roll my eyes at Tate Martell then and call him yeah. an idiot. Uh, I wonder if he's going to be eligible. We'll talk about that later on. 
plus uh, net rankings. What does this weekend mean for Ole Miss, Mississippi State? All of that coming your way over the next two hours and 45 minutes on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. You can text the show, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. That is the C Spire text line. Visit C Spire this week and start 2019 off on a high note right now. Buy a top smartphone at C Spire and get $750 off the second one. Uh-oh, I read the wrong one. Whoops, my bad. That offer is not good for right now. I'm going to tell you in just a little bit, though, about an offer that is good right now at C Spire. But while I get that information for you, I'm going to let Brian Haydad tell you why you should be locked in, keyed in, aware of what's happening tonight in Starkville at Humphrey Coliseum. Yeah, it's it's turned into a great rivalry uh, between Mississippi State and South Carolina over the past you know three four years, and it's a rivalry born out of you know competition, uh, not not geography uh, as they would say. Uh, been you know decided the SEC basically the past three seasons. Last year, State wins the regular season, South Carolina wins the tournament, um, played for a national title two years ago, and, and then tonight Carolina coming in, not the same Carolina they've been in years past. They're still very very good, but they are not the elite team they've been in the past, you know, two, three years. Uh, and mainly because they don't have uh, the, 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 the size in the front court that, that they were able to, to dominate opponents with. They don't have Asia. Not a, they don't have Asia Wilson, yeah. Um, they don't, you know, they don't, this is not a good scoring team. They're only averaging about 75 points a game. Now, they're very good defensively. They're only giving up 61. But then you got State coming in averaging 91 a game and only giving up 55. It's one of those classic something's got to give, right, kind of uh, – kind of scenarios so i just see this game you know, state coming out i think it'll be back and forth i think it'll be hotly contested but i think state pulls away a little later probably maybe similar to the game against georgia where it's back and forth back and forth and then in the final three four minutes you see msu put things together and walk out of there with a nine to ten point victory all right we'll uh, we'll see how that plays out tonight i gotta be honest with you i know we've talked about this a little bit before but the the women's basketball Phenomena, phenomenon at Mississippi State still is really interesting to me. Um, there are only a handful of women's basketball fan bases in the country that support a team the way Mississippi State does. Yeah, and it didn't used to be like that. I, I did. Yeah. I did play by play for. Women's basketball at Ole Miss for four or five years in the mid-2000s, early mid-2000s. And for a rivalry game, Ole Miss-Mississippi State in Starkville. And that's the time where Mississippi State was starting to get good kind of the first time around. That was that was Tan White, LaToya Thomas, that era. And they were starting to get good, and that's a series that Ole Miss had dominated. I mean, a massive crowd for one of those games in Starkville, was 4,500. Yeah. A massive crowd for one of those games in Oxford was probably 3,500. Yeah. yeah and that's... I know, hey, hey, Dad, I know they've played in back-to-back national championship games. I mean, I, I get that. But even so, I still think it's unique that Mississippi State fans have latched onto it the way they have latched onto it. It's because of the coach. It's because of Vic Schaefer, and I think I've talked about this on this show before, that for a guy who you know graduated and, and identifies more as a Texas Aggie, 
uh, Vic Schaefer, it, it, to me, just reminds me of so many Bulldog fans that I've met throughout my life. He just is as down-home and, and comfortable in his own skin as anybody I've ever met. And the, 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 the family atmosphere, I'm not a real big fan of the MSU family marketing plan. I, I've always said that. But when you talk about if, if there's one program that truly embraces it and truly makes you feel like, yeah, we're all part of this together, it's the women's basketball program. When you go to, to cover a game at Mississippi State, and, and you're going to go, you know, after the game, you have your press conference. You're going to wait for Vic Schaefer and those players because they are going to sign every autograph that uh, they they bring the fans down, you know, around the court. And there's a line of kids, and if there's a hundred kids out there, there are a hundred things that are going to get signed. And you huh. just got to sit there and wait on Vic Schaefer and and Tierra McCowan and Chloe Bibby, and that's just the way that it is. So Schaefer has he has engaged the fan base in a way that you know maybe no coach has ever done at Mississippi State maybe going back to you know when Jackie Sherrill first got to Mississippi State and he rallied the fan base or maybe you know you go all the way back to Ron Polk when he first arrived at Mississippi State and really sparked you know the the, the revolution of college baseball uh, down here in the south so it, it is it is different and but, but those are two unique. those are two mainstream men's sports that people well, I, I realize college baseball wasn't mainstream at the time but baseball was America's pastime. That's true. The, but college baseball this is, is very much a niche sport, though. I, no, I completely agree. But, but the, I mean, if I, on a Sunday night after Mississippi State has had a women's home game, happen to pull up mm-hmm. Facebook, there are 20 pictures of people from inside the building, hey, took the kids to uh, you know a Mississippi yeah. State game today. What? Are, yeah. it, it's just turned into a thing. And... and it's just really fascinating to me, and you know, applaud what Mississippi State has created in yeah. um, in that space because it's a space that wasn't occupied. No, you're right about that, and and it has to a certain degree. I don't like these word hurt, but it's impacted the men's program. Look at this week here. You know, even if State had beaten Ole Miss on Saturday. You know, you sort of have to make a decision. Do, am I going to the Florida game on Tuesday, or am I going to the women's South Carolina game, two ranked teams, and that's been that hotly contested series? You know, not everybody can make both games, and if they have to make a choice, a lot of people are going to choose the women right now because they've been so dominant and because it's, it's, just, a, it's just a better atmosphere in there right now for the women's games. And, and if you rewind six years, or you got to go farther oh. back, eight years? Well, I mean, that's you know, not even I mean, we, that, that's yeah, not, not a question. A, a, an idea or a concept that enters anyone's mind. I think if you ask the average Mississippi State alum prior to Vic Schaefer's arrival, did you ever attend a game as a student, a women's basketball game? Ninety percent would say no, and I, I might be undershooting that. I never did. Yeah. I never did, and and I don't know most of my my core group of friends didn't. It's just, not, it's just not something you did. And tonight and now, there will be 2,500 students there? Oh, the, the student section will be as, as full as it can get, yeah. Yeah, I, I was told today that about 500 tickets remained to this game. And that was six, seven hours ago. So you want to text the show, you can. 601-879-4395 on the C Spire text line. If you want to splurge, but you love to save, then your timing's perfect. You can switch to C Spire and get up to $500 off one of their top smartphones. Limited time only. For more details, visit cspire.com. C Spire, customer inspired. 
Um, glad to have you along this afternoon. You can also uh, you can also tweet the show at Sports Talk M I S S like Ed did. Gotta be honest. Every time I turn on my radio and catch Brian Haydad saying Mississippi State should pull away and win, I cringe. I think of Mississippi State against Kentucky in football, the Outback Bowl, and Mississippi State Ole Miss in basketball. Hashtag I, kiss of death. If I go the other way and I'm ah, oh, State's going to struggle, I get I get mentions of oh, you're so negative. I can't I can't win, Richard. I just can't win. People have started painting you as negative, hey Dad, haven't they? Whoa, whoa, whoa. First off, started. That started back in the old days of, of when Six Pack Speak was finally was finally you know becoming a website. I've always been a little more negative. I am a firm believer a pessimist is never disappointed. Uh, you know, I'd rather be pleasantly surprised than uh, than hurt. It's a hard way to go through life, isn't it? Ricky, yeah, what about you? Are, are 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 you optimistic or pessimistic? Generally honest. speaking, honest. There's always you. You've always got that guy. Would you write in a an answer on a Scantron test? Would I? <laughs> I hadn't taken a Scantron. No, test I was asking Rip. It's like you're taking a Scantron test where it's multiple choice, and he doesn't like one of the two answers, so he just writes one in. Like with regards, like out of principle. Like with regards to what? I don't know. Life, love, happiness, jobs, money, I, sports. I know, I know that Rippy is a, a negative sports fan because he called what was going to happen to that to the Titans like six weeks ahead of it. That was very he was positive. That see, I would call that Titans honesty Colts though because gonna... I was I wasn't even prophetic. Like I I knew it was going to happen. It's, yeah, that's I don't see. That's not pessimism when there's no precedent to suggest otherwise. Borky, are you optimistic or pessimistic? It depends on the day, really, I think. Pelicans playing the uh, the Warriors, he's pessimistic. Oh, I mean, th- they played so well last night. I was just happy that they played well, even though it kept me up all night. I was expecting a bloodbath, but... So I, I would guess more optimistic based on expectations. So why are you always in a bad mood if you're optimistic? Because I work with you every day. Oh, I guess as good a reason as any. He got him again. As good a reason as any. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.f. Hey, you want a little Tim Tebow news? That's what I was craving today. Why are you anti-Tebow? I'm not anti-Tebow. You're not? No, we've been. I just, I just, I just asked if you wanted a little Tebow news, and you very sarcastically threw at me that that's what you were craving today. No, because his inclusion with this news that you haven't gotten to yet, I guess I'm, I'm taking your lead from you that he's been invited to big league camp for the Mets is he, he's a prop. It's a money grab, which is fine. It's fine. The Mets are, are a business, and they want to make money, and Tim Tebow is going to make them money, and he seems. Like a very, very, very good person. I look at it from the other side because I have my very best friend, the best man in my wedding, was a minor league baseball player that played a lot better than Tim Tebow and was never given a shot that he's getting because his name wasn't Tebow. That's where I look at it from is he's taking a spot from somebody that deserves it because of what his name is. And and I know in life that happens in a lot of places, including the business we're in. I get it. 
but I, I just I have yeah. a, a personal um, feeling towards that, that cuz my best friend was never given that shot despite hitting 275 280 in the minors and never got the shot that Tim Tebow's about to get. I mean it's not even close to the Tebow news I was going to give you. I didn't know if you missed the story last week. I was just going to tell oh, you he got engaged, engaged to yeah. the uh, former Miss Universe. No, I'm kidding. I was actually going to talk about the baseball news. Hey dad, do you hate Tim Tebow as much as Borky does? <laughs> That's an unfair question. I don't hate Tim Tebow at all. Um, so yeah, he's uh, he gets an invitation to the uh, the Mets big league camp, not just a spring training, but uh, you get to play on the big field at spring training. I, I get Borky. I completely get what you're saying because I've had friends, you know, kind of tra- chasing that dream as well. And it's hard. It's so hard to get to the big leagues. It's so hard to even get an invite to big league camp. And once you get there, I mean, think about Chris Coglin, for example. Former third baseman at Ole Miss, plays his way through the minors, gets called up, goes with the Florida Marlins. He's the rookie of the year for the National League. And like three years later, he's basically out of baseball. It's hard to sustain it even if you actually do get there. Keith Kessinger, who we all know and like and, and is on the radio, he played like 17 games in the big leagues. Cannot ever take away the fact that he was a Major League Baseball player. But it just illustrates to you, I mean, he was a guy that was so talented athletically that once he became a a pro player, had a coach suggest that, you know, you really might be able to make your career go a little bit longer if you'd learn to hit left-handed. He became a switch hitter once he was a professional baseball player. So they're talented guys all over the place. It's just really, really hard to stay. In Coughlin's defense, he had a non-year career. He did. That's fair. But there was a pretty significant drop-off after that rookie of the year season. He he held on for dear life the last two or three years. Yeah, certainly. He was a a utility bench player on the Cubs World Series. He won a World Series He's right still now. young. Not, yeah. not, not, I'm not taking away anything from anybody who gets there in any form or fashion. I'm just saying it's hard to get there. I, I get the idea that it's a publicity stunt. I think you called it a money grab. I think Rippy said the exact same thing right before we came back from the, the deal. But even if it is a money grab, there's enough talent that you can send him there without thinking he's going to embarrass himself or embarrass the organization, which none of us gave him credit for two years ago. Was it two and a half years ago when he announced he was about to chase his baseball dream? That sounds right, yeah. Yeah, he's played two seasons. So, so, so he had not played baseball since he was a high school senior, so 18 years old. What is he, 30, 31 now? He may not be that old. 20, whatever. So that's pretty cool. I don't know if he makes the major league team or not. I think if he had stayed healthy, they would have called him up last year. If they're bad again, he's going to make it. He's 31 years old. I mean, he's an incredible Rippy. athlete and a great person and a winner at life. I, I understand that. I know that. Yeah. I, I don't Rippy, hate him as you were covering Major League Baseball last summer, I'm sure his name came up from time to time. Was there, was there any, you know, around the clubhouse, is there jealousy of a guy like that or people just like, oh, whatever, I get that it's a business? What is there? It honestly never really came up because he wasn't – 
Last year, like the first year was when all the storylines came when he started it. Last year was a little more low-key because he only played 84 games in Double AA. Um, Didn't mention it much, but the general... I think there's a feeling of both. Like, I think there's feeling kind of like Borky has, and then there's, you know, people that feel the opposite way that thinks he should have a chance and all that. But I would say the overwhelming majority, being baseball players that, you know, went through the grind to get to the big leagues, probably think he's taking a spot from someone. I don't want to speak for anybody, but that would seem like the general consensus. He's kind of in the business of proving people wrong, though, isn't he? He does a good job of it. You know, he, he always has. Yeah, I just I, I don't think as many people are saying he can't do it, but the idea of him being called up to Major League Baseball is kind of, you know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Sports Talk Mississippi, one hour in the books with you. More coming up in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, and right now on the Farm Bureau phone line where you can check out favorites.com and go with the home team, it's John Harris. We're about to visit with John Harris coming up from the Houston Texans, HoustonTexans.com on Twitter, JHarrisFootball. Johnny, I know you'd rather be standing on the sidelines uh, reporting on a team that's playing in a game this week. I, I understand that, but uh, got a couple of pretty good matchups coming up this weekend. Yeah, I, I love these matchups. I mean, you're right, Richard. If we couldn't have the Texans playing the Patriots or Chiefs for the AFC Championship, I think getting the Patriots, a team that everybody seemingly wants to Wants to hate. I just talked to my daughter a second ago, and she was saying, Dad, who's playing this weekend? I said, well, you know, it's the Chiefs and, and the Patriots. She goes, oh, I hate the Patriots. And, and I think it's just that kind of feeling that everybody sort of sort of hates the Patriots, wants to see them lose. Yeah, there's a part of me that, that hopes they win because I wanted it to be the Texans that knocked them off at some time in the playoffs. But either way, I think that's going to be a tremendous game. I think Rams Saints will be a really fun ball game. I don't think it'll be as high scoring, though. I think what the Rams found last week against the Cowboys, the ability to run the football with Gurley and T.J. Anderson, I think they'll want to pound the rock. And the Saints without Sheldon Rankins, I don't want to say they're, they're prime, they're, they're right to be had against the run, but I just think the Rams will probably want to keep Drew Brees in, the, in company on the sidelines, and that's one of the ways to do it, especially yeah. how successful it was against a good run defense against Dallas. I think you'll see it. But, yeah, a couple of really good matchups this weekend for sure. All right, tell me what you like better, and I completely understand that that on the surface this is kind of a bad question because these people don't compete directly against each other, but you know how we do on the radio sometimes. Do do you like the matchup better of Brady versus Mahomes or McVay versus Peyton? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a great one. Um, I think probably... Probably Brady and Mahomes. Okay. Because I and I don't know that I've got a I've got one answer over the other, but I think both are going to be intriguing. And of course, you know I'm a, I'm the son of a coach and I coach myself, so I am I, I always love coaching chess matches, and I think Peyton McVeigh is going to be fantastic. But there's just something about the old guy and the young dude, and you know going against one another. Can the can the young guy bring him down? You know, can the old guy summon it, you know, one more time kind of thing? I, I just think that, in, in, I think in that kind of situation, when you have those two, and, and part of it, too, I think, is 
and good as Sean Payton is, I give some of that credit to Drew Brees and what Drew is able to do at the line of scrimmage. So you said Mahomes, Brees. I was thinking you were going to say Goff uh, or Mahomes and Brady. I thought you were going to say Brees and Goff, which obviously I would still say Brady and Mahomes. But I just think that those two, Goff and Brees, are such an extension of McVay and Payton. But I would probably say Brady and Mahomes just because I, I love that kind of that matchup. And the irony is, Brady's gotten to this point doing it, you know, on his shoulders a lot of times. This year, I think it's his running game that's kind of carrying him a little bit. And they've really run the ball better than they ever have. And they get Sony Michelle and they get James White going, and the offensive line is moving forward a little bit. I think that's going to be an intriguing matchup there, how well the Patriots run the football against the Chiefs. But, Dodgers, I mean, it's so close. But I would probably yeah. say Brady versus Brady versus Mahomes. If you want to steal that question and use it in a different forum, feel free. I, I won't charge you anything. Yeah. That's fantastic. I, I, I like that. I, I might take that to Twitter and take all the credit, Richard, just so you know. There you go. No, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. John Harris, Houston Texans, Texans.com. You can find him all over the place in the uh, the Houston area. Um, give me a little context as to what you've seen, as to what we've seen with Patrick Mahomes this year, 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns. Well, you know, it's interesting, Richard, Two years ago, when I was doing my draft stuff for the Washington Post, and they they wanted as many mock drafts as I could put out, and I think it was my second one. After everybody, I think it was the first one after everybody had fully declared, and I put him. At, I put Patrick Mahomes at number three to the Chicago Bears, and my editor, after I sent it, about a half hour later, he wrote me back. He went, "Are you sure about this?" And then I, I proceeded to explain it just as I as I wrote it up. And he goes, are you sure? I mean, nobody's talking about Mahomes at all. And I said, look, I just saw him the year before against LSU. And LSU had Jamal Adams, had Arden Key, had Davin Godshaw, a couple NFL players at corner. And I saw Mahomes do things that night that I had not seen any college quarterback do to LSU. I was like, what? This guy's unreal. I mean, he just ran side on, ran, ran to the sideline, threw one sidearm up 30 yards across his body on a dime for a first down. Like, what, what am I watching? And it was seeing him up close where I really felt like this guy's the real deal. And after I put him in number three, all of a sudden there was more and more about Mahomes. All of a sudden people are catching on like, hey, maybe Mahomes is going to be a first-rounder. Like, of course he's going to be a first-rounder. It's a matter of whether he's going to be a top-five guy. Well, the Chiefs decided to pick him at number 10. He's going to sit behind Alex Smith and obviously the rest of his history. But the thing about Mahomes that I'll say, and, and this is no knock on Patrick because you know how much I love him, but he walked into a great situation. He's got Tyreek Hill, the most explosive player in the NFL. He's got Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in the NFL. He's got Demarcus Robinson and all his other bit. Sammy Watkins came to Kansas City this year. Uh, he had a run game in Kareem Hunt for a while, and then Damian Williams picks it up and runs for over 100 yards last week. And he's got one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. He walked into a ready-made, insert-the-quarterback-here situation and was really ready to take off. But his skills, his ability to throw the ball off-platform, to throw a sidearm and stick it around a defender, uh, to make plays on the run, the ability to just flick of the wrist, throw it 60 yards, and his assets – have accentuated everybody else's assets on that offense. Tyreek Hill has become a better receiver because Mahomes can find him deep. 
Travis Kelsey has become a better pass-catching tight end because Mahomes can find him the football in every area on the field. And the offensive line looks a little bit better because Mahomes is going to get the ball out of his hands in a quick minute. So they've all fed off of one another in Kansas City, and I think that's what's made it offense great. Mahomes is outstanding. But look at the pro bowlers and the all-pros that are around him that he stepped into. Juxtapose that against Mitchell Trubisky and also Deshaun Watson. I mean, I see it every day in Houston. Deshaun Watson gets stuck behind an offensive line that you could say, golly, three or four of those guys maybe shouldn't be playing NFL. I mean, that's a tough one to be put on. Yeah, he's got DeAndre Hopkins. But there were times at, at the end of the year where he was throwing to guys that had been there for eight weeks. You know, you look at Mahomes, he's got Tyreek Hill three years, Travis Kelsey six years. His offensive line has all been there together. That's really helped, I think, Patrick Mahomes this year take his game to a level that we haven't seen. But the flip side of that is Mahomes has helped everybody else take their game up a level as well. And I think that's what made watching the, the Chiefs from afar really, really cool. Kind of glad we didn't play him this year. I mean, it would have been nice to play him in the playoffs, but I just didn't want to see him in the regular season. We'll see him in the regular season next year in Kansas City, which should be a whole <laughs> hell of a lot of fun when he's putting up, you know, the numbers that he can. We better fix our secondary before we get there because he'll light us up like a Christmas tree. Yeah, you better hope it's not seven degrees when you play there either. John Harris from the Texans. Ooh. I'm not necessarily taking you down the revisionist history road, but if the Chiefs had not taken Mahomes at 10, the Saints weren't going to take a quarterback at 11. Would Houston have taken him at 12? Well, here's where it gets kind of interesting, and I've heard this through the, through the grapevine over the last couple of years, that Arizona was sitting at 13, and Arizona wanted one of the quarterbacks, be it Deshaun or Patrick. They did not want Trubisky, apparently, but they wanted one of the two quarterbacks. That if Kansas City doesn't make the move up or – they don't, you know, they move up and don't take him, then Arizona was probably going to come up and get one of the quarterbacks. We heard Mahomes, but we heard when the, the Browns were sitting there at 12 and it looked like the Browns were not going to take a quarterback at 12, the Cardinals were sitting there going, good, we'll take one. We'll take one right here at 13. And then the Texans jumped up and took the pick at 12. So I'm not totally sure um, that the – you know, the either one of those quarterbacks were getting past numbers 10 and 12. But I think what would have been interesting for us is if we moved up to 12, because apparently we had a deal ahead of time locked in with the Browns that if quarterbacks were on the board that we were going to move up, that the Browns were going to trade with us to go do it, what if both quarterbacks had been on the board? How would that have gone? And, I, and I've heard that we liked both quarterbacks pretty much equally, Mahomes and Watson. But Rick Smith, our GM at the time, just had a little bit of a lead towards Watson. When the Chiefs made the deal, that made it easy. We had to go get up, and go up and get a quarterback, and we ended up getting the right guy for us. So I think we would have won either way. I think the Chiefs yeah. would have won either way. I think if Deshaun got to Kansas City, I think it would have been really fun to watch for them. And I think Mahomes with the Texans would have been fun to watch with Hopkins. But I think it's going to work out in the end. We'll fix our offensive line. Hopkins will get a lot of passes from Watson, and we'll move forward. But. It's going to be really fun to watch those two quarterbacks for the next 10 to 12 years for sure. John, I say it every time. Never enough time with you. Next time we visit, I want to talk to you a little bit more in depth about Sean McVay and uh, why he is what he is and why everybody's trying to copycat what they're doing in L.A. Man, enjoy the uh, championship weekend. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Absolutely, brother. Anytime. Thank you. 
That's John Harris, Houston Texans, HoustonTexans.com, Jay Harris Football on Twitter. More after this in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Hey, Brian, hey, Dad. Hey, Richard Cross. Can, uh, can we as the old guys in the room have a quick conversation? Certainly. It's a, uh, a conversation about the pot and the kettle and the color of each. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Our our good friend, who quite frankly has the ability to press the uh, button that just makes the microphones not work anymore if he doesn't like how this story is going, Michael Borky, who has never seen Karate Kid, and we've given him a great deal of grief for that. Sure. It's kind of it's kind of like a life tragedy for him. Yeah. Well, just a moment yeah. ago, I was sharing with Rippy that. Um, my kids are on a bit of an 80s music kick right now. We, right. we listen to random music on the way to school. Um, and right now, Ava Montgomery or Obi, it seems like about every two or three days, one of them will say, hey, can we listen to Africa by Toto? That's awesome. And Rippy goes, 80s? I thought that song just came out. <laughs> to which Michael Borky responded, okay, you're fired. <laughs> I just think that's the it's world's greatest case of the pot calling the kettle black. I love it. It's just having a renaissance, Rippy. It's having its, its second go-round. There's a difference between some karate movie and the greatest so song ever I created. Can't wait to see now who's working. fired? <laughs> if you... I had a movie that had my doppelganger in it, I'm probably giving it a look. <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> I can't believe you just called Karate Kid, the original Karate Kid, Karate Kid number one, some karate movie. I mean, I've never it, seen it, it so how do I know Fu how good Saturday, it is? You know, I mean, come on. What is the motivation? If someone came up to me and was like, hey, I just saw this movie, and there's someone in it that looks exactly like you. Like, I'm probably, my curiosity is going to get the best of me. You're not even going to look at this guy? I mean, I, I know who Billy Zabka is. I've looked at him. I've Googled pictures of him. What else do I need? You need to watch how he plays your role. Yeah. Well, I was told from the the very beginning that he was the bad guy. And, like, not the kind of bad guy, like, that you want to be. Like, kind of a tool. It wasn't necessarily that he was a tool. He was kind of a cool guy. He was just a jerk. And cheated. Well, yeah, he kind of cheated, but it was on the heels of somebody else cheating, which made his cheating worse. Correct. Um, yeah, I just, it, it, I, I actually have a theory with regard to Michael and Karate Kid. I it's think, gotten to the point where he's just, I'm not going to do it? No, I think he's actually done it. I just think he you refuses think to admit that he's done it. No, I I truly haven't, and it's not any resistance. I, I just haven't. I mean, if... If I get a free moment, I will. I, I don't even know where to get it. Hold on, hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on a second. <laughs> this is not me talking down. I promise it's not. But the, if I get a free moment, when you readily admitted to me yesterday in your office that after you finished watching the Ole Miss LSU game, you weren't even remotely tired, you spent multiple hours playing video games, went to bed, could not sleep, woke up, tried to watch television to find something to make you go to sleep, and you just couldn't do it. So there was like a an eight-hour block of doing nothing 
two yeah. nights ago, and you give me the, yeah, I just can't really find time to watch a movie well, that lasts an I, hour and 45 and is readily available streaming online. I just didn't think of it. I just I need to be reminded. Because I, w- I, I would have, especially that night. Gosh, I laid in we'll bed just staring at, at, a, at a black roof that or ceiling, I should say, and couldn't sleep. So that would have been the good time. Where do I get it? Is it on Netflix? If it's on Netflix, I'll watch it. It's either Netflix or Amazon Prime. I one of them. It's Maybe findable. it's iTunes where you got to rent it for $3 or something like that. I mean, it's cheaper than when you had to rent movies at Blockbuster. Yeah. Those were the you days. You do know what Blockbuster is, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Doug on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed, Rippy needs to sweep Borky's leg. <laughs> Um, Does that right. mean if, if Borky if Borky is uh, is Billy is uh, Billy Zabka's character, are you John? Are you Sensei Crease? Are you Martin Cove? Who? Does that make you Richard? You? No. No. I don't want to do karate against Borky. With Borky, what do you do karate together? Do you do karate against each other? How's how's that work? What do you mean? Like, well, I'm trying to figure out the proper term. I don't want to fight Borky in karate within the confines of the martial arts system, or outside for that matter. Well, I would say that you would be better off fighting him within the confines of the martial arts system because there's rules and decorum and whatnot as opposed to just dirty street fighting him. Oh, you think Borky's a knife guy? No, I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying if there are no rules, he's bigger than you and probably... Wouldn't need a knife? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe your quickness. (laughs) I just like the idea of Borky just whipping out a knife. Let's go. Uh, I kind of like he the idea of Rippy randomly in a in a no rule street fight. Probably scrappy. I agree. With, he's he's well got be. youth too. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of, of energy. Oh, 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 dirty's probably more accurate. Tim in Corinth, coming strong. Some karate movie. Pat Moriarty was an actual Medal of Honor recipient, and most of the original film was filmed at his home. So it's worth watching just for that. Pretty cool. That's true. That's true. Uh, Tim says it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, that's Tim in Tupelo. The original thought about Pat Moriarty was uh, from Tim in Corinth. I've got Amazon. Uh, I've got I've got all the streaming things. I mean, we just rewatched Game of Thrones to get ready for the final season. Oh, Caleb yeah, unfollowed cool. someone. I'm not sure who he unfollowed. <laughs> well, Caleb, <laughs> Caleb's been at this listening to us for a while, so he knows that I have not seen Karate Kid, so it has to be Rippy. Yeah. Um, this is actually a, an interesting uh, thought. Bat versus knife. Give me the bat a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, this guy says he is on bat. team bat. Yeah. You got more range with the bat. I'd rather have a golf club than a knife. Doug also, mm. by the way, suggests that uh, if Rippy learns the proper technique for the crane kick, you have no shot, Borky. It's an indefensible <laughs> martial art, arts move. Borky, what kind of golf club are you using as a weapon? I'm using a putter because I have one of those fang-tooth ones. That could do some damage. Yeah, I've got a, a square back. So a putter or like a like a pitching wedge. So it's not too know. long I, to where you can't – like the the um, the whiplash won't break it. So you've got yeah. enough control over it. You can't do like a driver. You, you cannot – if somebody breaks into your home, do not grab your driver. You don't have enough control with that. Yeah. It's, too, it's too long. Just some home invasion tips for you today. Yeah. Yeah, but if you rear back 
and get a little momentum with the driver and you crack somebody right in the cheekbone, they're going down. Oh, yeah. They're going if you down. Nail it's, the game shot. it's game over going one down with a putter swing. Too. You, get, you, you can knock somebody out with a putter easily. You just right can't the generate the same amount of club speed. Well, that's well, You that's could true. stab someone with a putter, though, depending on what kind mm-hmm. it is. This has kind of gotten a little off the rails. I'm enjoying I feel like it, we're though. about to, to turn into some Red Dead Redemption talk, which I will be all about. Steven and Wax on, Wax off. If you got into a fight today, which let's all hope that doesn't happen. Let's all hope that we've kind of reached the point in our lives mm-hmm. that doesn't happen. What would yeah. be your first go-to move? As a big man, I'm going to get as close to you as I can, and I'm going to use my weight to my advantage. I'm going to try to get you in a headlock, and I'm going to choke you out. Do I respect the guy or not? No, no, there are no rules. <laughs> what a great question. Borky, that was a fantastic question. Because if you don't, yes. there's only one first move. Below the belt. The mommy Below daddy the belt. button. Yeah. My wedding tackle. My twig and two berries. Ah. See, see, I, I think it's a handful of like mixed dirt and gravel. Pocket sand? You, no, yeah, that you immediately go to the guy's face with. Because the only reaction is for him to immediately go to his eyes, and then you follow up with, with Borky's move straight to the midsection. So, I'm sorry, not the mid, well, but, you know, just below the midsection. You know what I'm talking about. The nether regions? The, yeah. So you've got him grabbing his eyes and then doubled over, and then you go knee right to the nose, and it's game over. It's over. The fight is over at that point. And, 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 I mean, Come on in tight if you think that's the, your best play there, hey, Dad. But that combination, no shot. Is that a King of the Hill reference, the sand? Yeah. Pocket sand, yes. Beautiful. Uh, the that's why C Spire, I was excited to hear you say that. I was like, pocket sand. <laughs> yeah, C Spire text line. Um, I'm now picturing Borky and Rippy fencing with their putters. <laughs> it's like... It's like Chi Chi Rodriguez versus the challenger. I'm glad oh. I stuck around for this segment. I'm glad I did. I have to go now, but this was fun. Jeffrey and Jeffrey and Tupelo suggest a throat punch. Throat punch. And then there's the one get to sports guy. You're the only person listening to this fighting show that's not sport. having run right yes, now. Fighting fighting is a sport. Fighting is a sport. Yeah. It's the original yes. sport. Kind Absolutely. Of, you know, the Coliseum and whatnot. Yes. So, with with that said, is Gladiator the greatest sports movie of all time? That's a topic for another day. It's a great question. There's more coming up with you. We'll take a look at Mel Mel Kuyper's first mock draft. Uh, Haydad is headed to the women's basketball game in Starkville. We'll be back in the Renaissance Bank studio. Covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. of quick care, uh, clarifications. There were a couple of these stick to sports moments. Yes, I understand that. Uh, David and Sochet, I'm going to tell you that you took it too far because you said in uh, How Do We Fight, if we have to fight these days, you went with 9mm. That was, uh, you, you jumped the shark a bit. You, you took it just a little too far. Um, there was a, uh, a, a suggestion to bring Rhino in to talk about soccer. 
followed up by the, I'm joking, of course, I turned on the radio and all I heard was different ways to fight, defend yourself, and basically kill somebody. Not really interested in killing anybody. Uh, that, that was, um, no, this was just like, you know, good old... I'm going to ask a, a, a Twitter question. I'll certainly open it up as well to the uh, C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Then I think we're going to slide to this mock draft, unless your responses are just so hilarious I can't stop. What is your current age? When is the last time you were in a real fight? Current age, last time you were in a real fight. Uh, I am currently 38, and I would say 2004. How old does that make you? Uh, I would have made me 24-ish. I was a sophomore in college, so 19 or 20. Okay. And you're 26? 26. Rippy, you ever been in a fight? Am I allowed to give the same answer I gave off the air? Sure. I, I You might edit it a bit, but... <laughs> I haven't... I don't... That, to my knowledge, I've never been in one. We, we In, like, seventh grade football, we had a locker room skirmish, but I was more of the float-around groin shot guy. I wasn't really on a team. Was it distinct? Was it like offense versus defense, or I don't remember. I don't just even like a free for all where everybody's it... punching everybody. I mean, did somebody steal somebody's like seventh a... grade girlfriend and it turns into a boy howdy? I can't remember. It, I know it wasn't like a team chemistry related thing. I think it may have been just like a like. I, actually, I don't know. It, it, I want to say it was like some kind of dumb, you know, typical junior high personal beef. I don't think it was. And it turns into an all-out brawl, and you're just randomly sneaking up, popping people just below the belt. <laughs> Look, man. You got to do what you got to do to survive. <laughs> I love the first text that came in on this, by the way. 32, was 1994, because a kid told him Bobby Bear was a bad quarterback. <laughs> hmm. Trip Dog says he's 54, and it was 14, although he stirred up a few others. Jeffrey suggests that he's 33 now, last fight when he was 21. David says he's 31, last was when he was 21, and yeah, he thinks that he won. C-Ray suggests he's 53, and the last fight came at the age of 19. I'm currently not proud that at 24 I'm the oldest well, I was <laughs> that has been mentioned here. I was expecting like a, I'm 45 in last week or something. Those are out there. I'm waiting for they are out there. You know what else is out there? Mel Kuyper's first edition of the mock draft. First round looks like this. Not too bad for the old state of Mississippi. Nick Bosa, the defensive end who did not finish out the season at Ohio State, got hurt and then decided to get ready for the draft going number one overall. I suppose a decision that paid off. Number two overall. Hold on. This one is going to surprise you on the surface, and then you're going to think about it a little bit, and you're going to go, you know what, I kind of get that. Josh Allen from Kentucky to the 49ers, number two. I love that pick. I love Josh Allen. And if you're San Francisco and you're making that pick, you can't help but think, we got to get a guy that's like Bowman or Willis used to be, right? 
You would think. They also need a little bit more offensive help for Garoppolo, though. Jets at number three taking Quinnen Williams from Alabama. Oakland taking Greedy Williams at number four. Tampa Bay taking Jonah Williams from Alabama on the offensive line. I think that's... This is not a shot at Alabama. I'm just less impressed with Jonah Williams than some are. That feels like a little bit of a reach to me, I think. Giants taking Dwayne Haskins at number six. What do you think about that? As we sit here today, I hate that pick. Because they need other help, right? Well, to me, it says more... If you're going to take Dwayne Haskins with that pick this year, what were you doing last year? I, I know Saquon Barkley is going to be a good player, but that's not necessarily what they needed. It was a much better class. I, I would well, I, I don't disagree that the Giants absolutely needed a running back because they haven't had one in a while. And Saquon Barkley's career in the NFL is going to be unbelievable. You know how you win in the NFL? You have an elite quarterback. Yep. You saw what you saw what the Rams did in the the running game on well last weekend what was it Sunday Saturday night it went for two hundred seventy three yards and it wasn't primarily with Gurley having an elite running back is helpful not a necessity quarterbacks a necessity and if you believe that you got to have a quarterback and you've got the second or third pick in the draft you have to go get a quarterback especially in that quarterback class. You could have had, probably couldn't have had Baker Mayfield number one overall. You could have had Sam Darnold. You could have had Josh Rosen. Wasn't there a fourth first-round quarterback last year? Josh Allen went to Buffalo. Lamar Jackson was first-round. That's a little Yeah, different. I'm not really interested in that pick either. Um, anybody interesting still? Rashawn Gary to Buffalo at number nine. DeAndre Baker, the corner from Georgia to Denver at 10. Uh, Kyler Murray at 13 to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Cleveland Browns at number 17, taking Mississippi State's Jeffrey Simmons. Interesting write-up, too. He said the surging Browns hit on their 2018 draft class, led by Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, and Nick Chubb. Can GM John Dorsey do it again? My comp for Simmons is emerging Chiefs star Chris Jones, who also, parenthetically here, played at Mississippi State, whom Dorsey picked in round two when he was in Kansas City. Simmons is supremely athletic and already advanced in his technique as a pass rusher. However, he will have to answer to NFL teams about his 2016 arrest during the pre-draft process. Next pick, number 18, to the Vikings, offensive tackle Greg Little. There's a case to be made that Little is the best true left tackle in the class. If there's a case to be made, then why do you have Jonah Williams going at number five where he could play tackle or guard? Uh, he's certainly the most talented. The former five-star high school prospect was inconsistent at times in college, but he should take off in an NFL strength and conditioning program. Mike Zimmer loves guys who get after quarterbacks too, so that's going to be in consideration. Not because they think Greg Little could play defensive end. Uh, number 22, Baltimore Ravens, A.J. Brown. Let's get a playmaker for Lamar Jackson. They say he's going to improve in year two, but he needs a better and younger supporting cast. Ravens have a terrible track record in taking receivers. 
but they've hit some, right? Brown is an explosive is explosive after the catch. At twenty five, oh my goodness, would this be the rich getting richer on the defensive line? Philadelphia Eagles taking Montez Sweat. With free agents Brandon Graham and Chris Long potentially moving on, Philly could add some pass rush help here. 6'6", 241, rangy prospect, athletically gifted. He produced, racking up 22 sacks in the last two seasons. Also look for the Eagles potentially to be in the receiver market. So Mel Kuyper is not making the assumption, I'm assuming, that DK Metcalf is healthy. Or at least healthy enough to go through combine workouts. To me, that's the only way he's not in your first round. And we talked to a lot of people. Uh, we talked to John Harris. Who's the guy we talked to last week, uh, Borky, that covers the draft? Chad Ryder. Chad Ryder, who absolutely graded Metcalf above A.J. Brown. So that's interesting. Simmons, this is Mel Kuyper's first big board. First, I'm sorry, it's his first mock draft. Not the big board, his first mock draft. Simmons to the Browns at 17, Little at 18 to the Vikings, A.J. Brown at 22 to the Ravens, Montez Sweat at 25 to the Philadelphia Eagles. If I'm A.J. Brown, I don't know if I want to go to Baltimore. If they're really Because if they're really going to shift that offense to be more run-oriented, they don't want to play wide receiver on that offense. I mean, it's not like they're not going to still throw it 35 times a game, even in a run-oriented offense. Yeah, but the guy throwing the ball is not very good at it. Well, even if he's not very good, he's going to pick out somebody who's his favorite target, right? Fair point. I understand, and we talked before about especially with quarterbacks, sometimes it's better to be drafted middle of the first round. But honestly, if you've always wanted to play in the NFL and somebody's going to call your name on day one, and somebody's going to give you a, a, a contract that is in the 7 to $12 million range, do you really care that much who it is? Eli Manning would object. Touche. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. So Phil Mickelson kind of beginning his golf season on a on a pretty stellar start. He's playing at La Quinta. It's the Desert Classics where they split between what La Quinta and uh, PGA West. Thanks to the other course. He's eleven under through seventeen. He's got a hole out for eagle on eighteen to shoot the tenth sub sixty round in PGA Tour history. Not likely. That'll be to shoot 59. I don't think it's an easy shot on 18. How about that, though? Phil Mickelson tweeted earlier today, little rusty as I begin the new season, but well-rested and excited to play. I'd say playing well, too. You guys both like golf. Can you imagine what playing a round of 11 under would be like? I would immediately tell the press that I left a couple out there. <laughs> you're just convinced that even if you played at your your, your local course, 
there would be press waiting for you if you shot 11 under? No, if I shot 11 under, odds are I'm playing in some kind of tournament of significance. I'm saying if I was in that position. Yeah, okay. I had a three under backside once, and I've never felt more accomplished on an athletic or sporting field ever in my life. Did you break par for the entire no, round? No, I shot like 74, but it was still just those nine holes. I have never felt better about anything that I've done athletically in my life. You feel invincible. It's, I mean, I played high school football and, and I started and played linebacker and all that stuff. I played sports my whole life. You know, I did everything that most everybody listening did. But I was in college too, just playing with some buddies. We had a few beers on the backside and I felt untouchable shooting three. It was three birdies, six pars. I've never felt better playing sports ever before. Yeah, the rare 34 or 35 for me is usually accompanied with a 46 on the opposite side. Fair enough. Mickelson from the fairway lets it fly to shoot 59. Guess what? He's not going to make it. Although he's got a pretty good chance at birdie to shoot 60 in his first competitive round of 2019. Uh, Okay, Borky, normally this is accompanied by the phrase, a Florida man. Not so today. You've got some uh, local... Dumb criminal news for us? Well, see, I don't know how dumb this guy actually is. I haven't seen an update, so maybe he's been caught by it. But as of my reading of the story, he hasn't been caught yet. A guy okay. uh, here in Jackson, so this is a local dumb criminal news, was caught at about 4 o'clock in the morning. Steal- a Mississippi man. A Mississippi man uh, broke into a McDonald's in downtown Jackson and had a bunch of food, boxes of food, stacked up on a dolly and was running down the street to the getaway car. The manager of the store and an employee coming to open the store caught him in the act, so he dropped the food, got in the getaway car, and left with um, the cash or a cash register. So it wasn't all for naught, but he was trying to steal a dolly full of food from a Jackson McDonald's a couple days ago. Okay, I have multiple questions here. Almost always when you give me one of these stories, I have additional questions. Uh, Number one, I thought McDonald's was open 24 hours a day. Apparently not. Not this one. Well, that's no good. I mean, because what about when you want that double cheeseburger and fries and apple pie and a medium Coke at 3 in the morning? No onions, by the way, on the double cheeseburger. Uh, Or the six-piece chicken nugget meal with hot mustard at 2.45. I guess you're just out of luck. Uh, so, so that would be question number one. Question number two, so this was not like a quick hit. I mean, I guess maybe he was moving quickly while he was inside. But this guy goes in, finds a dolly, breaks into the freezer, I'm assuming stacks up multiple boxes, and then rips off a cash register and just throws it on top? That's how it sounds, yeah. And then when he realizes he's being chased, he decides to bail on the dolly and the frozen french fries and just take the cash register. Yeah, he did leave with the cash, so he got something out of the excursion. Well, not just the cash. I mean, he's got the technology, too. He's got the entire register. Right? I guess that's got some resale value. Yeah, which probably not a great idea <laughs> to try and resell a McDonald's cash register. 
I mean, what's the level of functionality for anybody that doesn't own a McDonald's to have a McDonald's cash register? Novelty. Put it in their man cave. I don't know. So are we thinking the guy that stole nine boxes of fries and a cash register with a dolly has a man cave at home? you got to put the fries somewhere, don't you? Maybe he was having a Super Bowl party. I said french fries. Let's be real, though. This guy probably, probably stole cases of McRibs and fillets of fish. There's a market for that. Absolute resale market for stolen filet of fish patties. Thanks for being with us. Sports Talk Mississippi, another hour coming your way. College football fix is next. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you're in North Mississippi and have financing needs of any kind, any kind, whether it's actually buying land, building a dream house, maybe it's building a cabin or a shop on your piece of land, well, then Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land for over 100 years. MSLandBank.com is the website. You can find a branch location near you in North Mississippi or give them a call. You can be part of the show through the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. It's been pretty active this afternoon uh, with a lot of your thoughts. Thanks for uh, participating. Right now, time for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Let's run to a couple of different things. Let's start at the Lafayette County Courthouse. Parrish Alford was there earlier today for the Daily Journal. Says that he watched some of the Rebel Rags hearing. Um, there was somewhere along the way a um, a, a plea. I don't know where this originated online for like people to show up and watch this, like it was a pep rally or something. I don't think that was probably a good plan. There's no evidence that that actually happened today. Uh, it was kind of a procedural hearing. Say what now? You would hope not. Yeah. I, I can't uh, imagine there's many judges out there that like their proceedings interrupted by fans. You, know, you like take pom-poms to the courtroom. Anyway, uh, Judge John Kelly Luther was the judge who this motion was in front of today. What they were dealing with was a motion um, to dismiss by representatives of the NCAA, Lindsey Miller, Kobe Jones, and Leo, Leo Lewis. Now, if it's been so long since you've thought about this and you need a reminder of who these people are, obviously the NCAA goes without reminding. Uh, Lindsey Miller was Laramie Tunsil's stepfather. Uh, Kobe Jones and Leo Lewis obviously pay, play at Mississippi State. Uh, Judge Luther denied or did not grant the motion to dismiss the case and said, in his opinion, that there is ample evidence to show that a jury could possibly find that defamation exists in the NCAA's claim that Rebel Rags, owned by Terry Warren, provided free merchandise to um, the, the aforementioned Lindsey Miller, Kobe Jones, and Leo Lewis at the encouragement of a former Ole Miss administrative assistant, 
Barney Ferrer, and another former assistant, Coach Chris Kiffin. All right, so so here's let's back up. The Rebel Rags case is a defamation case filed by Rebel Rags against those defendants. What Rebel Rags has to prove in this case to receive damages is that the business was irreparably harmed or monetarily damaged by false claims made by the NCAA, Lindsey Miller, Kobe Jones, and Leo Lewis about the business that therefore resulted in damages. That's what this is all about at, at, at like a 30,000-foot level. The NCAA attorney, Doug Miner, argued that a claim of defamation, which again is what Rebel Rags is arguing against the defendants, did not rise to the legal standard to prove such a claim, but Judge Luther disagreed. And he used kind of a complicated example to illustrate his point. And here's the thing. If you're thinking court hearing... Mm, okay, so is this um, is this like if you're going way 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 back, L.A. law or Law and Order? No, not not what we're dealing with here. This is more of like a conversation between the judge and the two attorneys. So you have the Merkels that are representing Rebel Rags and Terry Warren. You have Doug Miner representing the NCAA. I don't know that Lindsey Miller Esquire was actually there representing himself today. That's happened at least once. And then you have the judge. And this is more of a conversation where the judge says, all right, we're here to hear this claim today. What are we claiming? The defendant, you've brought this motion. What are we here for? And the defense says, we're filing to dismiss a claim. Uh, I'm sorry, we're filing to dismiss this case from Rebel Rags because it doesn't rise to the legal definition of defamation. And then the judge turns to the plaintiffs, the the Merkel attorney, and says, what's your response? And they go, well, we believe it does rise to the legal definition of defamation because of bam, 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 and bam. And maybe there's a little bit of back and forth, and then the judge, as opposed to immediately issuing a ruling, will then say, well, here's what I think when I'm looking at this. And here's why I believe that there is enough evidence to send this to trial. This was, again, a procedural hearing, not a trial today. So it means the case can go forward, discovery can begin, and you can move toward an actual trial. I do not know if that's a jury trial or a judge trial. I I just don't know the answer to that, so I'm not going to try and... Do you know, Rippy? Do not. Okay. Borky? I... Asking me to give okay, you legal enough. opinion. <laughs> no, no, I just, well, I just didn't know if you'd read utility. somewhere whether it was a, a, a judge trial or jury trial. Anyway. Would we know yet, though? Or is there still some procedural well, I mean, based stuff on, that has Based to on happen. what particular court that it's in. I mean, some, some, anyway, no, I don't know if it's a judge or a jury trial. Can you get my lawyer on the phone line, but. You should, uh, saved under mom? Yes. Okay. Uh, I do believe it is a jury trial. I've got a couple of buddies that are texting me along the way saying that that's what the case is. So here, here was, here was what Judge Luther said, according to Parrish Alford today, with regard to why he disagreed with the defense's claim that this should be dismissed. 
His suggestion was that if a young person was recruited to the Honors College at Ole Miss and was told by university employees that it could get free merchandise at Rebel Rags, that that recruited student could then go home and tell their friends and family, and nobody would get in trouble. If a prospective athlete was told the exact same thing, hey, go down to the store and get yourself some uh, some free gear, would he or she tell their family and friends? And the answer is no. And that again, these are the words of, of the judge. And he followed it up with this. In Mississippi, where college football is important to most folks, that action could certainly be perceived as wrongdoing on the part of rebel rags and therefore could affect their business. He says perhaps that wouldn't be the case in upstate New York where residents might be unsure if a football is round or oblong. Which was, I thought, an interesting tagline on the overall idea. So motions relating to discovery were also being discussed, but no ruling was made on that. So that is your update from the Rebel Rags defamation case against the NCAA, Lindsey Miller, Kobe Jones, and Leo Lewis. Any questions? And and now we wait till whatever's next. That's the, the question is... How long? If any lawyer is listening, tell us. How I mean, how long does something like this take to where we get anything of substance, or or is there a chance we never get anything of substance? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, the wheels of justice seem seem to move slowly, and I'm not saying that justice is being served one way or the other here. I am simply saying the legal system does not move. I mean, it moves at a relatively glacial pace. So don't expect anything fast. Although at some point, you think this thing moves forward, discovery would begin, which means depositions, interviews. And and that's... Maybe we do need to talk to a lawyer because I... W- so discovery and depositions, does that only include the people that are directly involved? Or... Can the NCAA subpoena a bunch of people that have never been involved? You know, that's what I want to know is when this moves forward to discovery, because apparently that's what's happening, who is going to be deposed? Who can both sides depose? And then will we ever know what they say in those depositions? If so, how long does that take? Maybe we do need to talk to a lawyer. Grinch Law tweets the... Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed, and he says months. Don't hold your breath. So we'll see. We can uh, we can get some more answers on that. We certainly will get them, and we'll pass them along to you. You know, it's interesting because it has taken so long to get to this point. It feels like a lot of the interest has waned. But this is actually a, a pretty important thing to watch because you consistently have legal action against the NCAA. This is not going to change anything really from the Ole Miss perspective with regard to its punishment or anything like that. But it is an individual business suing the NCAA, and we'll see if the NCAA wins another case or if they finally lose one. At one point,
one point Michael McCann was on with us. Borky, we might ought to reach out to him and kind of circle back on some of this NCAA legal stuff that's going on right now and see if any of it's uh, relevant. Grinch Law sent us a message that said, Michael McCann can give you the best analysis of the Rebel Rags case. He's the authority on sports law. Here's what I love. I love Grinch Law's Twitter bio. He says, I want to live in my cave away from all the Who's in Whoville, high above Whoville. Well done. Well, Yeah, I do too. Did you see the – I don't mean to get political, but I think you'll find this funny when there – uh, when the president visited the border, and there was a bunch of, I say a bunch, there was a, a group of protesters. One guy in the group of protesters was holding up a sign that said, build the wall around my house. I hate everyone. <laughs> hey, apparently I missed the um, the actual contents of the McDonald's robbery. Nine cases total, McFish, McChicken, and McNuggets. I think that's what JT said uh, earlier today. Of course JT was talking about the McDonald's robbery. (laughs) Of course he was. So Tate Martell, this is fascinating to me. Okay, we've talked about the transfer portal, and Tate Martell's name came up yesterday. He's the Ohio State quarterback that is moving away, right? Transferring away. What did I say to you yesterday? Uh, what's he going to do to seek immediate eligibility? You said he was going to lawyer up, and you said he was going to say that the Urban Meyer retiring thing was going to be basis for his transfer. Hey, Dad said, no way that's going to happen. Well, it may not ultimately happen, but I tell you what is, I mean, there's never any question that Tate Martell was going to seek legal representation to try and become immediately eligible. Here's my thing about this. And I think this is super fascinating. You may not. Justin Fields leaving Georgia, headed to Ohio State. And what does everybody say? Universally, what have people said to you? They, they have said to you, oh, there's no question, Justin Fields is going to be ruled immediately eligible. And people are telling you, oh, no, no way Tate Martell is going to be ruled immediately eligible. Really? Why not? Why is Justin Fields leaving Georgia? You know the answer. It's because he can't win the starting job and he wants to play. Why is Tate Martell leaving Ohio State? Because he's looking into the future and seeing that Justin Fields is coming here. He's better than me. I'm not going to be the starting quarterback, and I want to play. Their reasons for leaving really aren't any different. Martell's going to Miami. Justin Fields is going to Ohio State. Fields is leaving Georgia. Martell is leaving Ohio State. They're both leaving because they want to play quarterback. They want to be the starting quarterback at a Power 5 institution. Make no mistake, the reason they are leaving is because they want to play, period. 
We can all agree on that, right? It's an absolute fact. Now, with regard to immediate eligibility, what does the NCAA say now? They say, well, if there's a circumstance that was... I'm paraphrasing here. I don't have, you guys may remember the exact language, but basically a life changing circumstance, or it's clear that you were deceived, you can get out. It's kind of the rule that the NCAA threw in place that made it really easy for the guys that were leaving Ole Miss last year to become eligible with, with basically just rubber stamping paperwork. Yeah, they, they made the rule for that reason. It was a reaction to their applications in that case. Well, and, and whether they say that's the reason they made the rule or not, you know, whatever. We can debate that or not debate. It doesn't really matter. The bottom line is, last year you made it pretty easy for Ole Miss players to say that they were misled by the former coaching staff in the university, and therefore it was a rubber stamp process. Van Jefferson gets to go to Florida and plays this year, and he's their leading receiver. Shea Patterson gets to go to Michigan. He's the starting quarterback. Trey Nixon gets to go to UCF, and he's either the leading receiver or the second leading receiver on the team. Good for those guys. I'm glad they're getting to play, getting to go where they want to go. That's fine. Justin Fields, presumably, is going to argue that because of a single racially charged incident that happened in the same place that he was, So inside of Sanford Stadium, a former Georgia baseball player used a racial slur with regard to Justin Fields. It was heard by other students. It wasn't heard by Justin Fields. He was on the field. And the expectation is that this claim of an unsafe environment because of this racially charged incident is going to cause the NCAA to rule Justin Fields immediately eligible. As we discussed before, none of this is the player's fault either. It's dumb legislation that's forcing them to do this. You're right. So if Martell's is more noteworthy than Fields, I think, because... A racial incident is different than my coach left because if they, and I, I think it's going to happen, if they rule in favor of Tate Martell and grant him immediate eligibility because my coach left, then that will turn into players getting out of their LOIs because they sign with schools and the coaching staff leaves between the December signing period look, and the February yeah, one. I mean, Borky, you're all over it. This, I mean, you you may look at this right now and go, it's, it's not. I don't care. Richard, I don't care. It's an Ohio State quarterback leaving and going where? To another school that's not in the SEC, that's not in Mississippi. I don't care. Here's why you need to care. If Tate Martell is ruled immediately eligible, it changes the game for everybody. Because the only reason, the only thing that Tate Martell can argue is that he was lied to. Urban Meyer told me he was going to be here as the head coach. He changed his mind. He left. There was a coaching change. My circumstances changed. My opportunities were altered. 
Not, I'm not trying. I'm not leaving because Justin Fields is coming in and he's going to win the job. I'm leaving because the circumstances changed and my opportunity. I was deceived. Couldn't that end up being a good thing though? Maybe. Isn't one of the main things people always argue when they say, like, when coaches leave jobs, all of a sudden it's like, but, but the players can't leave and be eligible. Wouldn't this create precedent to where that would be the case every single time? Well, that, that's exactly where we're headed. If that, that I mean, that's a hundred percent the point that I'm making. If Tate Martell is removed, uh, uh, ruled immediately eligible, then there is no putting the toothpaste back in the tube. It changes forever. And if the NCAA were to rule Tate Martell eligible this year, but somebody with a similar circumstance next year was not ruled immediately eligible, what do you do? You immediately sue the NCAA. Based on precedent. If Martell is ruled eligible, think about what this means for the future. At some point, Matt Luke is no longer the head coach at Ole Miss. At some point, Joe Moorhead is no longer the head coach at Mississippi State. At some point, Nick Saban is no longer the coach at Alabama. At some point, Jay Hobson is no longer the coach at Southern Miss. When a coach leaves, you now have the opportunity to transfer and be immediately eligible, and there's nothing that the NCAA can do about it if Tate Martell is ruled immediately eligible to play at Miami. Am I missing something here? Am I making that more simple than it actually is? No, that's exactly what it actually is. And that's why this matters. It doesn't matter to you today. Because Matt Luke's coming back to Ole Miss, Jay Hobson's going to be at Southern Miss this year, and Joe Moorhead's going to be at Mississippi State. And Nick Saban's going to be at Alabama, and Kirby Smart's going to be at Georgia. And Ed Ogeron's going to be at LSU. But at some point, those people aren't going to be at the places they are right now. And when they leave, it opens the door for any player that wants to go elsewhere to say, I was told the coach was going to be here. He's not here anymore. My circumstances have changed. I was deceived. I want to go. And guess what the NCAA is going to have to say? Go for it, young man. Good luck to you. Otherwise, the NCAA will have to hire some more lawyers to handle all the lawsuits that they'll be facing. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.